At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Previously on OK Talk. Let me give a Bigfoot howl and let's see if we get a response. Is that cool? Yeah, you too, Ready? Woo! It's a cow. <laughs> he said, it's a cow. journey to begin. Tonight, on an all-new OK Talk. You walk through our forests, yet you remain a mystery. What are you? Why do you hide? At the moment, it's about to have an unpleasant encounter with the self-styled masters of the wilderness. Man. Well, I'd loaded two loads of logs out that morning, and uh, I looked out towards the timber and I saw this movement. And I stood and watched and uh, from around behind a big tree there was a black deal looking at me and it had a peaked pointed head. As I recall, I brightened my headlights to get a better view of it. I started slowing down. I started to hit the brakes. And uh, then all of a sudden it started to move and I thought, my lord, the tree's going to come across the road. And as this moved away, there was vine maples there that were pretty high and I could see these broad shoulders and just kind of a nub, a suggestion of a head. He was standing upright and his arms like was hanging down the side of him and he looked between a man and a beast. I swung my arm in a big arc and I said, uh, I yelled out, hi Sasquatch, come on down. This is OK Talk, and we're actually doing a live radio show right now on the podcast interwebs, and we've never done this before. Live podcast to tape. We've never done this in the studio before. No, this is great. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's cool, right? Well, this is why I waited to have this guy across the table in here, because 
I wanted to impress him. All those other people that have been up to the studio, our other studio, didn't really care about him. But I wanted to wait. Get Lyle in here because Lyle Blackburn is in the house, ladies and gentlemen. So first of all, let me just tell you, you're listening to OK Talk, podcast of records. I am Clint. I'm Matt. And across the table from me, Lyle Blackburn. Boom, shakalaka. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to have you on. I'm highly impressed. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we added as many moving pieces as possible. I know, right, to, to this to this format. Dude, and let me just go ahead and give a shout out to this girl right here. Yes. Um, she's a friend of Dadis Perry on Facebook. Her name is Ellie Meyer, and homegirl is kicking. She does this. She does voice work, and she's an amazing guitarist, musician. Like, wait till you hear that girl do Beyonce. Like, stop it. She's amazing. Amazing. So, Ellie is a buddy of mine and is running the behind the scenes. And guess what? We even have phone capabilities. If you want to give us a phone call, the number is 888-900-3393. How could this possibly go wrong? 1-888-900-3393. Three three nine three, call us. Now, uh, right there at the beginning of the show, you heard the um, audio clip from Falk, and one of the reasons why I set this up the way that I did was it was one year ago, man, that we were in Falk, Arkansas, filming Foggy Creek Monster with Seth and the gang. Um, in fact, I think I met you on the twenty fourth. And we went out to Clint's place, and we were filming that interview, and I headed off with Clint, and I went back out there that night after we got filming with Doyle down at the, uh, at the old bayou, and uh, I screamed into the woods, and something screamed back, and lo and behold, we had more than just the one time caught those on tape as while you guys were actually interviewing him. Those two howls were captured. And the crazy thing is, like fingerprints, they match up mm-hmm. with the other two it's when eerie. you look at them in a uh, spectrum analysis. That's what happens in Falk, Arkansas. <laughs> Doesn't it really? It does. So if you don't know already, Lyle um, is all over the place with so many things. Number one, his band Ghoultown just released their brand new record yesterday ghost of the southern sun sun that's what i was thinking ghost of the southern sun available on itunes amazon pretty much anywhere and i mean if they go see you on facebook they can find the links yeah you can't miss it you know <laughs> right you can't miss ghoul town and uh besides that you just within the last couple of months released beyond boggy creek the In Search of the Southern Sun Sasquatch, right? And, uh, I mean, it's so funny since we've been doing this. Mm-hmm. You can't turn the television on, really, especially on Destination America, without seeing someone that we've had on our show. From yeah. Craig Woolheater to Dalen Spratt and the Ghost Brothers to now Lyle Blackburn. We cast so, a wide net. Dude, we do. Yes. 
They were and, running some yeah reruns, and it's like you know oh there's oh there's my friend there so you know it's, it's like a yeah it's just like a party at my house with all my buddies. <laughs> yeah, when we were in Arkansas, and I met Jason Coburn, and he was telling me about how he was on one of those shows, and I was like that shows on my DVR. So when I got back home, I popped it in, and there's twelve years younger Jason Coburn before his hair had gone gray down in Florida. Standing there on the TV, I was like, screenshot, and I was like, who is this man? So I think that's amazing. And It's crazy to think. I, I remember uh, a year ago when I was back here, and you were out there, and you called me and said, hey, man, something weird happened last night. <laughs> like, you listen to this. And to think, to think about the road that we've taken from then until now, um, it's fascinating. I mean, I think in, in my own way, I've understood the – subject a, a, a lot better than I ever thought I could and have come closer in touch with it more than I ever thought I would. Um, so I, I think it's really cool to sit here a, a year from then and, and look back at like almost how naive we were. Oh, completely. <laughs> you know, in fact, when I play that audio clip for somebody like Ellie, I was like, you can hear laughter in my voice as I'm telling Clint who, by the way, is standing there playing the banjo in his overalls, <laughs> barefoot next to me in his front yard. And I'm like, hold up, hold up. Let me give a Bigfoot howl. And I kind of laugh. Because to be honest with you, the only time I'd ever done a Bigfoot howl was like over here in the Target parking lot at Las Colinas. When mm-hmm. Finding Bigfoot first came out. There are a lot used, of them over there. I used to think it was real funny to do it in urban areas. And you're right. I, I was telling someone the other night that I don't think the show really started until a year ago yeah which isn't the case because we had done a bunch of other stuff but april 25th which today's the 26th but yesterday was april 25th was the quote-unquote anniversary of us being out there in that howl what's crazy about that is and this is the thing with the whole coincidences and synchronicity and that there are no such thing as coincidences so i captured that piece of audio and the only person that i know to send it to is Cliff Barrickman, who we had just had on the show a couple months earlier. Right. And Cliff is like, send it to this guy, David Ellis. And so I sent it to David and David does what David does. And we hit it off anyway. And I think we had him on the show like around the 10th or the 11th of May. And then he and I were talking on the phone afterwards. And I mentioned something about how I had a birthday coming up. My birthday is the 17th of May. And he was like, oh, I'm a tourist too, but my birthday is in April. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know what day your birthday is. I quickly am like looking at my little app on my phone. It's like a diary app. And I was like, your birthday is the 25th, isn't it? And there's no other reason why it wouldn't be. Because the only reason that I know you is what happened to me on the 25th, right? It's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, yesterday, the whole reason why we were in Falk, Arkansas, was because I know a guy named Seth Breedlove. And after having worked with him, I just wanted to go meet him. Lives in Ohio. He's going to be in Arkansas. Let's go, ch- <laughs> Let's go meet Seth, you know? Well, yesterday, Seth... I texted him and I was like, hey, man, we're going to do a show tomorrow night. 
kind of talking about Boggy, you got 10 or 11 minutes maybe to give you a shout. And he responded immediately with, dude, honestly, I don't know. I'm sitting here watching my wife give birth. <laughs> I didn't even and put those two together, but I knew Seth where you were. Yeah. had a baby yesterday. Yeah. His son was born on the 25th. Like it is such a crazy perfect circle that it was making my head hurt. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, well, how is that even possible, right? Congratulations to Seth, by the way. No doubt. Which man. meant he probably took maybe a day or two off, maybe two days, maybe just one. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. And speaking of Seth, Lyle is the producer of um, The Mothman. Of Point Pleasant. Of Point Pleasant. And what's the other? What's the side one? Because isn't it the two, the, the lights of whatever? Yeah, we haven't started on that one yet okay i just so, associated yeah. the two together but the mothman of point pleasant the next would be the next coming small town monsters film june, so, coming june 2nd i'm curious june 2nd june 2nd mm-hmm. yes to live download and all that uh, uh yeah video on demand as it usually is amazon streaming uh we have a lot of other uh outlets and markets that these films are going to go to uh boggy creek monster will be uh you know i don't want to Say no, I don't no, want to no. say too much because uh, I'm not sure what, I could, ends, what I'm supposed to say because <laughs> then people ask. But yeah, we, yeah, we got a lot of outlets. But yeah, at least uh, the Mothman of Point Pleasant will go to the usual uh, download areas. Okay, I was just wondering if you were saying like June second is like we're going to have a premiere here, but then it'll be. Oh uh, well, we're going to you know the premiere is he, he he's going to show some in Ohio. You know we he usually has some really cool theater hookups, and then obviously we have to do what we can do, and then uh, you know there's going to be sort of the Point Pleasant uh, you know premiere, which will be at the Mothman Festival in September, where both of us will be there right. and other guys from the Small Town Monsters crew. So right. So uh, we've been talking about how a year ago we were out in, in Falcon. The reason we were out there is because uh, everyone was out there. Seth was out there shooting the the Boggy Creek uh, monster documentary. Um, I'm curious to know if, which I think turned out great, and I'm curious to know if that has changed anything in the Falc. I mean, the, obviously Falc was deeply invested in the Boggy Creek monster. It's a part of their identity. But since that documentary came out a fairly serious documentary looking at the subject has that changed anything about the town at all or is it just sort of life as normal just another day in the around boggy creek well i mean it's it's added to the continued ramp up of that there there was no you couldn't see a change as much as you could from the time that my book came out that that really marked the change of right. when you could go up there you could go in the monster mart you, you couldn't hardly find anything it was some newspaper clippings flapping in the wind it was just i mean people would come there but it was just sort of dead as far as any sort of resurgence or seeing all that and then so that was 2012 when my book came out uh, and that sort of got things ramping up. And then a- shortly after that, Monsters and Mysteries in America uh, started doing the shows and then uh, had me on there. That's how I f- got associated with them. And we did a show uh, on the Falk monster. Uh, that was the first to show like Doyle and some of the other witnesses that I had already met during my years of research prior. And they started being on television. 
that started getting the ramp going and then uh finding bigfoot came in um you know a year or some odd later and did their big uh return to boggy creek episode that that really started kicking it up and so ever since then it's it's just been this increasing amount of stuff and then uh the monster mart uh the guy who owns that denny roberts just transformed that thing into the like the coolest convenience store ever yeah. you just look at a picture of the, it the the picture of the monster mart is legit like it's been the coolest because we went back i uh, went back in the summer and it's like my favorite thing to like use those red eyes at night and like a instagram post with just the little yeah. car like oh you know just kicking it but no they have obviously his book and the casts and stuff that they have in there that side room where they have a stand-up of the sasquatch from the jack links commercials and the painting and it's funny because if you look at southern fried sasquatch which is a kick-ass documentary and talks about craig's sighting and um Brave Combo is on there. Carl Finch, yeah. Which I was just like, yeah. crap, you know, Brave Classic. Combo, right? And Southern Fried, the dude rules. I, I, I don't know him except from online, never met him or anything, but that's kind of a introduction to that. But when you look at that, they show the Monster Mart. They just show the picture of that painting on the outside of the wall. Right. That's it. That there's no, all. like, anything else. Now you go in there and there's Bigfoot on a mushroom in yeah. the corner. and <laughs> It's completely different. And that's what you saw as, as Denny took it over and realized the value. And then they kind of, you know, the book and, and the thing with the book, you know, uh, it was a serious treatment, just like we've done with the film. So that right. was not the first time that it was like, I was just writing a book, a historical book. I mean, it has modern encounters and the history, but it was very serious. And they were very suspect about this when I first started. But what's in there's history of the town. So that got everybody a little bit fired up. So, you know, fast forward in, in which, you know, Seth and I had met. We talked about doing the, these kind of films and, uh, you know, inevitably Boggy Creek comes up. It's it is the quintessential small town Bigfoot case that you know when that came out you just saw it just the next step boom another thing you know and that that legit legitimized it and it's a serious documentary and we you get to hear the witnesses that prior to that you had only read about my book read me reiterating the four stories now you could hear it from them so that that's just it's just been a process of of just really cool stuff and that that being a major major step the documentary uh, just continues to kind of elevate the legend and, and make more people aware of it. Before your book came out, I mean, was the town a little gun shy about talking about it? Because of I know the movie was had developed sort of a cult classic uh, moniker to it, but it was you know obviously dramatized. Uh, were they a little uh, shy about saying yes, this is where that that happened? Uh, th- this is the history of the area. This is part of it. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. yeah, there. I mean, because you know there had been the odd TV expose and and things out of Shreveport every twenty years they do something, but yeah, they were very gun shy. And I mean, I show up, I don't look like your typical writer. I got tattoos, and you know, I'm I'm like, hey, I'm going to write a really good book. They're like, oh yeah, where'd we heard this before? You know, 
But as I kept returning and talking to people, they, they kind of warmed up and became a little more receptive. But still, there was an element of certain people that still didn't want to talk. They were still suspect. It was really until the book came out and people could read it and go, oh, wait, oh, yeah, this guy. Treated it with respect. With the respect. And yeah. that, that opened the door, I think, to obviously I had been able to meet these witnesses. So when Monsters and Mysteries comes around, they come directly to me and say, you know, I mean, that's how they work. I mean, they don't, they can't just hunt down every witness right. and every time they go to the researchers or people who have written the books. So I had, uh, you know, I'd already sort of built that relationship with people there and, you know, ensured them, if I'm going to be on this show, I'm going to do my best to ensure that it's, you know, everybody's treated seriously. So then they would do it. And then finding Bigfoot came and now by now, by then it was like, ah, yeah, people were, yeah, I'll go up there at the town hall, and now even more people told their stories, you know. Since this is the first time we've had you on the show here, tell me a little bit about how you got interested in this subject to begin with and what led you ultimately to writing a book about the Falk Monster. Well, basically I was always, you know, interested in Bigfoot and cryptozoology from a very early age. I started reading books, and, uh, you know, I saw the Patterson-Gimlin film on TV or something early on, and I was just really fascinated with that and just movie monsters in general. But, um, you know, I was aware that Frankenstein was makeup effects, but when I saw things like uh, Patterson-Gimlin film, that really spooked me out. I'm thinking, man, could that be real? Could that be, you know, out there living in the woods? But, you know, I live in Texas. That thing, uh, it's in the Pacific Northwest, way far away. But then uh, sometime in the mid-70s, my parents took me to see The Legend of Boggy Creek in a drive-in theater. I was really young, and, dude, that was boom, that was it. Because now, not only was it scary and cool and a great movie, but it was three hours from where I lived. And that really kind of cemented my... Uh, fascination for the subject and my love for the legend of boggy creek so fast forward years later i kind of i become a musician and a writer and had written for various magazines and things and started writing for rue morgue magazine and got the idea i wanted to write a book and i thought well what would what's my favorite subject what would i want to research like a nonfiction book and i thought the history of the legend of boggy creek yeah and Prior to that, I didn't know all the details about what was true and what wasn't. And that that was literally just a book I did just almost for my own knowledge and thought, well, some people might like this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's funny. You and I have very similar paths. I, mean, I imagine a lot of people that don't live in the, the northwest part of the country have a similar uh, relationship with Sasquatch early on as you think, yeah, it's it's usually presented to you as there's one of them and they're running around up up in this uh, in this area of the country so you don't have any you don't have any uh, desire or you don't have any uh, illusions that you might run into one and then slowly your world starts expanding and you hear oh well they're seeing them out in they call them something different but they're seeing them out in Florida or they're seeing them in Oklahoma or they're seeing them in East Texas and th- and then you you kind of start to paint this radically different picture about what what this thing could be or if it's a bunch of different things or you know it's um so yeah we have a very similar history i'm a little bit younger so i i uh, boggy creek was something that was um being a, a a movie buff i knew about it but it was not something that i experienced firsthand uh it took me a long time to actually track it down so uh it's the fact that that we're here in in dallas the fact that it's just a very short drive is is 
uh, very fascinating and very um, attractive. You know, it's 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 cool if you're interested in the subject to just head out there and kind of be knee deep in it. I want to say mm-hmm. one thing. Uh, a lot of times, people. I love reading, and there's no better way to attack a subject, obviously, than reading about it, and not on Wikipedia. Lyle kicks ass as an author. You are one of the best. You just, it's a talent, man. That's like, I know you have a lot of talents. That is, to me, that's your strongest talent, and that's saying something. You are so good at using words. And I don't say that very often, so there's that. But, um, and that goes for everything that you have. And I just opened this for the first time, and I'm like, dude, Lord, like you. <laughs> it's so crazy that there. This is epic shit that's in this book, <laughs> and it. You're the first person that writes like an adult on a lot of the stuff, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah. Oh, so, yes, and just your Lake Worth monster well, right thank here. You. Oh, that's in thank there. You very this much. is this oh, is okay. This is Matt's area of expertise. So that's that's probably where the um, I'll I, I talked about this with Craig when he was on the show, but that was a that was a creature that I had heard about a long time ago, but it was always presented to me as the Goat Man. So I thought, what's well, something completely different? This is the Goat Man. I don't know what that is, but it's not it's not Bigfoot. And then as you surly uh, slowly start to figure out that you look at the drawings and you see the book uh, and uh, you say, well, this doesn't look like a goat man at all. This looks like a Bigfoot. And so that really hit home because I, I grew up just uh, west of Lake Worth. And so I'm very familiar with that area. And to think that it was literally in my backyard, that's that's a crazy feeling. Yeah, certainly, because uh, the main thrust of that occurred in 1969. So even for myself, had I known, you know, about that, I was too young to have come across it. And, you know, my parents didn't mention it, but that would have been sort of my hometown monster. It was right there. Yeah. But, and that's one of the fascinating things about with this Beyond Boggy Creek book um, is that the number of names and the regional colloquial names and the what they call these creatures, like the goat man or whatever, uh, the Falk monster, there's just hundreds of them all across the South that don't necessarily say Bigfoot. But then if you start delving into the story, you find that it, the general description is basically a Bigfoot. And, it, you know, if you read my section on the Lake Worth monster there, uh, you know, I connect that with sightings that date back in the 30s of coincidentally people in the area, maybe 30, 40 miles in the area reporting some strange upright creature covered in white hair really yeah and i mean how do you explain that because they wouldn't know you know the people who reported the incidents in lake worth um how would they know there was any sort of history about that it took me some digging just to find that and connect the dots so it it makes you uh really think you know what what could it be had have you run across any recent lake worth reports well, I've heard some. Uh, I, I don't put a lot of stock into reports from that area simply because it is so developed now. Um, certainly it is on the Trinity River, and something could could oh, potentially pass that. through. Uh, you know, I wouldn't rule that out, but it's, it is not, you know, it's not like Falk, where you're talking about 
the sightings back in the 60s uh, certainly there's some you know there's been some development there but there's still a huge vast amount of area in that sulfur river wildlife management that could still hide an unknown creature well just the swamp the fact that where we were at that boat ramp with doyle i went to go to clint's place which we had been at earlier in the day and it's seriously like six seven miles as the crow flies yet it's a 35 minute drive Mm -hmm. because you have to go all the way around that area and that's the thing with the nature preserve but i bring up the lake worth thing only because i knew you were going to say something like this uh i can't remember when it was it was just january i was out there doing some volunteer work and we're cleaning up around the lake early on a saturday or a sunday morning i can't remember and there was this black guy in the group and there's like a polo shirt or something laying on the ground and he just went to pick it up you know and he was like oh real dramatically and this is what was underneath it And I'll just go ahead and say this, Lyle. Nice. I have never in my life seen anything like that. <laughs> it that it I left the shirt I left the shirt there for size. And I was with all these people and they don't know anything about anything. And I'm like, oh my God, it's monster dookie. And people were looking at me all funny and I was like, You guys don't know about the Lake Worth monster? We're like at Lake Worth and they're like, What are you talking about? I'm like, get on your phone and look it up, buddy. What else would do that? Like, I know that is a offensive photograph. But, uh, I mean, really, on just on the side of a trail, we're probably 40 yards from the lake right there where the uh, highway crosses. Yes. I've seen one, one very similar thing like that, so if it was covered with a, a plastic grocery bag at the Sabine River. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, until, but I did see the uh, the perpetrator. The perpetrator. Okay. Oh. <laughs> and he used the plastic bag, and we were just myself and another guy dumbfounded. Dumbfounded. Yes. But see, it was a see. I wondered s- if fairly similar. I wondered if somebody, like that, was walking their dog that morning, had thrown that over it, like because <laughs> I will tell you, as soon as the shirt was removed, there was no mistaking what was going on <laughs> in that vicinity. You just try to cover it up and get out of there as quickly as possible. I was just blown away at the fact did you, that it, Did you uh, secure samples? Good Lord, no. I'm sure Todd Disatel is quite disappointed <laughs> in sure. another pile of crap sent up to him. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they are very disappointed that I did not secure the doo-doo or fetch the doo-doo, but... <laughs> Uh, well, it was tough enough getting that photograph out there, and I didn't take it. I told somebody else, "Go take a picture of that." You got to. <laughs> I can't be around it. I can't be around it. It's the ugly side of monster hunting. It, it certainly is. You run across a lot of crap, but it's, there is a lot of crap out there. <laughs> it's so fascinating that when, just when you came up today, and I was telling you that uh, a couple of days ago, I was in Mineola. And Mineola is a place where, I mean, I drove through Mineola once a week as a kid. My dad's from Quitman. My grandmother lived in Quitman for forever, so we would always drive through Mineola. 
And um, Nick Pensis, who is the owner of Stanley's Famous Barbecue, is in the Bigfoot episode where they're in the Tyler area. And they did their episode out there at the uh, Mineola Nature Preserve. Mm -hmm. And Nick is in that episode bringing them barbecue. So I was hanging out with him one night, you know, asking him about, he was just like, yeah, you know, we're up there. And he was telling me about something that happened to him about 10 years ago up there. And he was like, have you ever been up there in that area? And I was like, I grew up there, but no, not necessarily. It's just like with, I was showing video footage of the Scythe Cemetery yesterday to someone here in Dallas, and they were blown away by just the tree density. It, oh, yeah. Uh, and that's just Tyler the, right off of a normal highway. Yeah, and you can't see anything. And you can't see anything. If you tried to walk in there, it'd eat you alive. The pine curtain. Yeah, I don't think people realize, and I, I do go over that in, any, in my book there and any time I've written about Texas, people just really, you, know, you say, oh, there's a lot, of, a lot of Bigfoot sightings in East Texas. Like, Texas, you know? But they don't really realize the pine, the piney woods. Yeah. They're thinking of the cowboy motif and the kind of the scrub and all that. But yeah, dude, out there, it is just thick as hell. I mean, you can be, you can be driving on I-20 and you can't see 50 yards into the, into yeah. the trees once, once the tree line starts. And I feel like I was reading the other day that the eastern third of Texas has more square miles of forested area than the entire Pacific Northwest. And that sounds stupid until you realize that it's the eastern half of Texas from the tip to the Gulf, and it's such a gigantic state, and the Pacific Northwest is... Like right. the first time I went to the state of Washington, we drove up into Portland and then went a little bit north and then hooked a right and came back east. It wasn't 20 minutes, and all of a sudden it's like we're in the high desert. I never expect, like, we went to the gorge, and I never expected that to be what Washington was like. I just assumed the whole was, state was. Yeah, it yeah. was till. But the that area of the country, it's like the eastern part of Alaska down there by Juneau is coastal rainforest. And Washington and Oregon, northern California. But it doesn't take much to get off of the 101 and into, you know, in like uh, when you go inland in California, like Reno, Reno is a shithole. I mean, there's no trees and yeah. it's not like a forested wilderness. And so when you think about it like that, like that, well, yeah, that makes sense. The, the actual mountainous forested area it is hugging the coast so tight that as far as square mileage. Yeah, I believe it. Texas kicks its ass. And it's crazy to think that, we go to Galveston every year. My parents took a different way than me, and they came out right above Houston, and they drove through the thicket. And there was like some place, not Sulphur, but it was some town that has a terrible name, like that makes it sound like it <laughs> smells bad. And I looked it up, and it was known as the exit of the big thicket. Like it was the 
where the thicket ends before the coast. That's, and obviously, if you drive from there all the way north. It's a long drive. It's a long drive. <laughs> We're six hours from the coast here, five and a half. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to know, one, when was the last time you had talked to Doyle? Because uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Doyle, and that dude is awesome. And his stories, he has a believability factor about him that I, I can't imagine talking to that guy and somebody not believing what he saw. He's just like. Yeah, he's a definitely a great witness and one. And these are the ones that over the years I've gotten to know these people. Right. You know, it's not just somebody I interviewed on the phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first, uh, the first time I interviewed Doyle, I went to his house and, uh, you know, we just hit it off, just not just for the subject of, of Bigfoot or Fountain Monster, but just, yeah, he's a cool guy and, he, he you know, he's a country country boy and you know we just talked to other things and canoeing in the swamp and hunting and and then so yeah i returned there so years after year after year so i mean i've known doyle for like seven years and you know we visit frequently when i get up there as much as i can we drop by and uh visit him so those are the kind of witnesses that you know you can really put a lot of stock in because his story hasn't changed. He hasn't, you know, now expressed that he saw 45 UFOs yesterday and just bizarre stuff that, you know, you can, that sort of perpetuates. It's, this is the story. He's very honest. Everything else he does is always very honest. So I can put a lot of stock in that. that and his person. family's been right there for multiple generations, right? Yeah, I mean, many, many, many of those families, I mean, you know, very rooted in there. And his was one of them, you know, when, you know, back when the movie was being filmed and he's a little kid, you know, you hear it, you heard about it. And, you know, he's he's just been a part of that um, legend and the place, you know, his whole life and his whole family, you know. And he said something that really rang true when we were there was that he had made mention of all that logging that had gone on as you were up before we got down to that basin where the boat ramp is there's sections that are just white and he said that it had like since that logging in that area specifically had gone on that just the things that he hears had changed, that it, it was like less and less frequent. Hearing stuff down there, obviously, um, it's a place where you can hear a lot of odd stuff. Mm-hmm. But he has a few sighting stories that are incredible, including the one with the, the baby, which when he was clearing logs and hears this, like uh, he almost, I think he, said something along the lines of like it sounded like a goat bleeding or whatever and he was like what is that noise he thought he was like <laughs> he's like what is that and that it was standing there like oh shit and that they had a little nest area back there but it's like oh that's the last time you know and since they've started all this logging up here don't hear near as much down this way yeah i mean are are the the howls notwithstanding are there many 
current reports coming out of that area, or has it has it slowed down a little bit? It's been almost well. It's been one year since I've followed investigated one that I found highly credible. There's been a couple other since that. Uh, sometimes the witnesses won't don't don't want to speak, but I did go to those areas and didn't find them as conducive. Uh, so, you know, basically on, on my record and I basically log every one of them and, and investigate as much as possible. There was a really good sighting. It was May of last year. That's been the last one that I personally know about. Can, can you say anything about that one or? Yeah, that was, uh, it was in, I've learned that if you want to see a Bigfoot, one of the, the best things you could do is go get yourself a paper route. It appear, <laughs> yes, I am not kidding. This is the third sighting by a by a somebody associated with paper routes. So Makes early sense. morning, this was around. a a woman who had a paper route, and she was out. It was probably around four thirty or five a.m. Sun wasn't wasn't up yet. She was driving on south on Highway seventy one, actually a little bit uh, on the north side of Falk, and something came up at the edge of the road, and you know, caused her to pause a little bit and slow down and she saw something and then it darted right across the road. It was on two legs running upright and hit the woods on the other side and just took off running. Um, she, you know, saw it fairly well in the headlights. She actually had the window down cause she, I mean, she throwing papers and she could, as she, uh, sat there for a few moments and then kind of pulled forward, she could smell the skunky kind of terrible odor. Um, this woman is somebody who I've since kind of verified with other people that know her, high-standing citizens who's vouched for her, um, talked to her, talked to her husband. I feel, you know, very confident that she saw what she saw. Of course, we can't definitively say what it exactly right. was she saw, but it fit the description of the Falcon Monster, and it was... At first, in a location, this is a place where there hasn't been a lot of sightings recently. You don't get them, like, right there in town. This was actually very close to where the very famous Ford incident occurred, where it's dramatized at the end of Legend of Boggy Creek, where the shooting at it happened in uh, May of 1971. You don't get a lot of reports up there, but uh, as I looked at the area, went there, and that's why I go there, because I'm looking, I'm like, you know, it's, it is a perfect setup. There's a huge amount of woods on one side and a huge amount on the other side, even though it's sort of kind of in proximity to, well, more civilization. I mean, it's still a very small town. but um, So, you know, it was, a, it was a really good, solid sighting. I want to go ahead and say a couple of things. Number one, it wasn't popping up here. We have a, quite an active chat room on the uh, Mixler page. What up, chat? What it what it what what it do? But one thing they're like all saying, there was a, there was a, I, I hear something in the background. I feel like I hear a fancy camera, <laughs> and maybe someone peeing. Is Scott Harriet there as well? Well, folks, um, we you are hearing is a, <laughs> a live open air in a room with the great Ron Pell, one of radio's legends. Over there, chunking deuces at me and not shaking his head. Legendary. Mike Reiner says hello. And uh, um, Ellie is sitting on the other side of the board with a camera. So documenting documenting this momentous occasion. Yeah, Matt is not standing one inch away from me <laughs> taking pictures of me, <laughs> though he should be at so, all times. Uh, also, 
just going to go ahead and throw this out there. If you want to give Ellie something to do, we have a phone number, and it is 888-900-3393, 1-888-900-3393. I texted Clint Harris today. Man, I love that guy. We have we go back and forth. Sometimes he will just send me a small video of him, like where the phone is down on that table, and he's hunched over it with his banjo. But, uh, you know, it's kind of giving him the, hey, you know, happy anniversary. And so earlier today I texted him. I was like, hey, man, so we're doing this tonight, and I want to give you a call. And he sends me, he's like, man, I'm not sure I'll have a signal and a video or a picture of just a gigantic forest fire. <laughs> Like that he's right in front of it. And thankfully, this isn't the first time that he's done so. But uh-huh. with working with the fish, I mean, with the uh, forestry department, he works with controlled burns. He's licensed but, for that. Right. The first time he Thank sent God. it to me, he was, um, he sent me this video and he's like, check it out. And it's forest fire, forest fire, forest fire. And then I see like white sand and I'm like, where in Arkansas is this? But he was in Florida working a control burn with a buddy. But um, so I'm not sure if we're going to give Clint a call. I told him that we'd give it a shot. But if you want to call, I know there are people out there. And 888, by the way, is a toll-free number. You cheap meow meow. <laughs> we won't charge you. Ellie, I think this phone, it says GB guest and hotline. So I'm not sure if this phone is geared for the other setup, the Telos 3. So just so you know, maybe Ron, maybe Ron wouldn't mind saying, Ellie, the phone's ringing. He won't. The top of high-tech engineering. (laughs) So high-tech. Again, I I think we threw as many possible. Oh, Oh, well. I didn't expect there to be. I was just saying. (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to just punch lines. Look, I thought we must have been missing we must have been missing dozens of calls, I thought for sure, but apparently that's, <laughs> I've been disabused of that notion. Obviously. I'm actually surprised at the number of people who are even paying attention. Someone said, is it still going to be on the iTunes? <laughs> of course. Yes. Um, so, Lyle, outside of the Falk Monster, are there uh, particular stories or sightings that you find very compelling, as, especially if you're you know doing research for this latest book? You've obviously expanded the net a little bit beyond uh, Falk. So is, are there some that stand out to you as saying, like, if you guys really want to get into this subject, here's, here are a couple of things you might want to take a look at? Uh, certainly so. Yeah, I mean, basically the, the premise for the Beyond Boggy Creek book was that I, you know, in addition to the Falk area sightings, you know, I've been either know about, have investigated, uh, or been fascinated with sightings all throughout the South. And, you know, certainly many of these are just as compelling as those sightings and encounters with the Falk monster. It's just that they're not as famous because it was not a movie associated with it. Um, So this was a way to sort of start and, you know, start at Boggy Creek and kind of spread out across, you know, using creeks and waterways and uh, natural terrain as sort of the guideway to, lay out a case that, uh, you know, Bigfoot-like creatures have been seen in the South, you know, for as long as there's been records and even dating back to, you know, tales from Native Americans. 
So within that, you certainly have quite a few just mind-blowing cases. Um, these, you know, range from sort of obscure wild men tales, such as uh, one from uh, the Okefenokee Swamp in Georgia from the 1800s in which uh, some hunters out there had reported seeing uh, strange, huge footprints. And uh, then, you know, some uh, a posse went out there looking for what creature may have uh, been responsible for that. And they had a run-in with, uh, you know, a very angry, uh, aggressive Bigfoot-like creature that actually, uh, you know, killed some of them and uh, they ended up killing it and it was you know one of those just if this happened it's like a mind-blowing story um that you know what the terms bigfoot weren't used back then so you, you know you can only conjecture that that right could have been what it is um uh there's uh just any i want you to an- i'm sorry guys <laughs> what is glenn what's the other number for this phone so that i could punch it up and i could see it and we could see it This is the one I want you to call. And this isn't a hotline, though, right? It's not, right? God damn it, you don't have a dump. <laughs> but That's not what we should do. What's just the regular number to him, though? There's, There's got to be another one, right? I don't know. Oh, here's James Rester calling in right now. Let's just, you got the phone up? Live podcasting, folks. I'm sorry, Lyle and Matt both, but I was getting yelled at by, of all people, Monica and then this guy. I don't hear anything. James, James, James. James has a question for you, Lyle, but. So this would be Telos 4. No, Telos 2, Ellie. He just hung up. Yeah, he, the bitch just hung up. He is a bitch, though. All right, we'll be watching for him. Before I interrupted you, let me let you finish. I apologize. So, uh, I'm <laughs> so sorry. Uh, about that. Uh, that was just a complete. So, yeah, so that was a really good sighting. <laughs> That's the story. That's a dick move, man, by me. James. Hello. What's up, man? <laughs> Not much. Just listening to the show. Well, welcome. You're on OK Talk. How are uh, you, James? With, with Lyle and Matthew. Wow. I feel very privileged. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? Doing great. We're well. We are very well. You, by the way, have been to Boggy Creek. Even sat on Clint Harris's porch. <laughs> what did. questions have ye now that we have Yoda of Boggy Creek <laughs> and the like here with us? I'm wondering if he thinks that uh, the the creepy critter in the uh, the swampy bogs is uh, a, a resident, or is he just sort of traveling through? Or um, you know, you asking about it, whether it, or not there's um... well, you know, like if migration traveling through. I don't know. I, I think the word is ranging. I've heard people say that they think there's 
a theory that they range from uh, here to there. You know, they don't have to range very far because they're an alpha predator. But, um, you know, Lyle's probably would know, like, are there mostly reports in one part of the year or is it year round? Uh, it's year round. I mean, there are clusters when it seems that uh, there's more than others, but there's no big, you know, there's no definite pattern. They don't all occur in the winter or all in the fall or anything like that. And I, I think just based on looking at the case sort of at a bird's eye view logically, that there would be um, a small population that would live there in that area, um, you know, on a fairly permanent basis. Like you said, I, I think they do range around. That would explain you, you have sightings uh, up the Sulphur River. Uh, the Sulphur River moves into, you know, starts in Texas and actually passes right through. And that's part of the network that Boggy Creek is part of. You know, you see sightings up and down that so you know if you see a sighting that's in texas it's not sort of the well that's the texas bigfoot and then you know you get over there it's a boggy creek it could be the same creatures you know moving on up and moving in a uh, a larger range but in general i think uh, it's nothing like a migration sort of thing where they you know like birds fly south in the in the winter whatever yeah they might have a range but yeah they're not. yeah I, and i think this is the perfect place for them to take up residence and you know combined if you look at southern southwest arkansas combine that with uh, parts of louisiana and east texas you know you build a really good perfect place for uh, these creatures to live if if they do indeed mm-hmm. exist this would have to be where they would have to hide out i think if they moved too much or moved especially in groups you would it would be too much in the open there'll be more sightings and there would be uh, I, I will know. say having driven down there uh the drive from like texarkana into um into uh actual falc was uh quite an experience i mean the first time i went down there was sort of in the evening and it was like sort of dark and then it was pitch freaking black dark and if I didn't want anybody to find me, that's a great place to go. There's just nothing out there. Yes, you're certainly right. And I mean, even at that, you you could you get down there in, in those in Jonesville where Clint lives. If something was standing ten feet away, you know, and just stood still, you you just go right. You never it. see it. You'd never yeah. see it. I mean, it. You know, people think it takes. You know they're hiding or they're all they got to do is stand still you know and uh, that area just provides that kind of cover hey what was the? and i imagine that that covers year round too even though like some leaves thin out i mean still the underbrush is so so darn thick yeah that's true yeah i mean it does thin out some but not so significantly that you can see you know miles through the forest or anything what was the the story Lyle about the producer that was there not about a creature show or anything but he was there for like they were moving some heavy equipment and it was at that house with the pond yeah that was when we filmed uh the shipping wars episode oh were you involved in that yeah I was on that shoot oh really okay I didn't know that Mark told me this story while you guys were down there 
about the producer coming out to the trunk of his car. Yeah, that basically, in short, the shipping wars, one of my esteemed film credits. <laughs> yeah, that's big time, yeah, buddy. Big. That's not no destination America. That's right. Shipping wars. Well, they. my friend Steve um, Boosty from the Museum of the Weird in Austin had purchased the legendary Minnesota Iceman. And so he he called the show as a way to transport that from Minnesota to Texas. And they they wanted to make a show of it and, of course, stop along the way and do a Bigfoot hunt. So, you know, they okay, called myself. It was myself and Ken Gerhard uh, and a couple other guys that were uh, involved with that show. And basically it was the female truck driver was going to – we were going to take her out in Falk and basically – spook her out and you know hopefully have some weird stuff happen and you know it's tv so it's hard to get stuff to happen on cue but uh, basically we went to uh, a location i knew of where there had been a sighting my my all-time favorite best credible sighting terry sutton had in 1982 uh there in jonesville and so we went on there where the pond is what you're talking about and i i didn't see this but you know the whole crew was like, <laughs> Bigfoot, yeah, this is... And even if you watched that episode, it was all sort of cracking on it. But look this up. It wasn't... It was funny until one of them looked over there across the road into the woods and saw something standing there. Something huge in a dark shape, you know, bipedal, humanoid-type figure and freaked him right out. And then it was, you know... Unfortunately, I didn't see it because I didn't find out about it till a little bit later. But um, you know that spooked him out. Whatever it was, just slipped right off into the brush. So James, when you and I were down that road, down from Clint's place, you know where the that that farm is with the. If you go out of Clint's place and take a left and go down that road, few. I mean, probably about a mile. And and I don't think we have to make a turn, but there's like a there's like a farm over there on the left, and it's like actually labeled as a farm. And I can't okay. remember. Do you remember the name of that place, James? I don't remember the name of the place. Hundred times, but there's like a dry like a in road gate, and James and I were standing right there. And the reason I was thinking about this story is because the. The other side of the street, obviously, there's a street there, and then, <coughs> and it's just a wall. And James picked up a couple of rocks and was clacking them together. And this whole vibe of everything changed. There was some animal that was over there across that pasture, and it sounded like it was dead or dying. It was like, which added to the weirdness of the whole situation. And it was going off. Like, it was doing it over and over again. So I was like, I don't know mm -hmm. what that is, but it's strange. And I walked out into the middle of the street, and I, I had my boots on, and I slapped my boots on the road two or three times. Loud. And obviously, it's just a corridor of trees down that back down that road towards Clint's. And... Something over there in that tree line growled at us. Didn't you slap your chest too? Like you did the whole gorilla, I'm going to kick your ass. Of course, routine? of course he did. Yeah. 
<laughs> which I remember the next morning, David Ellis, because we sent the files to David to take a look at. David was like, why did you do that? <laughs> that was his response. <laughs> what were you thinking there? And But this that house where that pond is, it's like, again, these roads, they're not two-lane roads or anything. They're just little one-lane roads. Maybe two cars could go by, but you got to have a tire off the side. The, uh, the house is way off of the road. It's a good 100 yards at least to yeah. the house. Yeah. You drive away all the way up there, and then you know, there's, a, there's a barn, and then wet. you can't see the pond or anything from this house. So if there are a lot of cars there, you're not going to pull all the way up to these people's house. You know, people are kind of parking right in this area. And then there's probably 10 or 12 pine trees sparse right there. But seriously, if you turn with your back to that house and look at the tree line that is 20 yards away, again, you can't see anything in there. And so the description of Someone hearing something and turning around and just seeing darkness in there and then it fading to black. And let me tell you that there's no there's no there's not a house over there. There's right. nobody that that's just a blank lot and there's no there's no there would be no reason or any nobody's gonna stroll through there. No. There's no joggers, there's no, no Google, Google Earth nothing. Jonesville or Doddridge. I mean, the, yeah, look Jonesville. at Google Earth, drop it down on there, and the crazy thing is, is the way that that neighborhood is, it backs to the swamp, it and hit. then there's just nothing. Well, if you keep driving, you'll be in the Sulphur River, so it goes right to the Sulphur, and yeah. Jonesville is where, in the 60s, the there was so many sightings down there. That's where the, the initial Crabtree sightings all occurred. Um the Searcy House, a lot of the same things were dramatized in The Legend of Boggy Creek. Jonesville was where it first happened. And in fact, the, the creature was originally called the Jonesville Monster. Really? Yeah, before the before the newspaper articles of 1971 that sort of, you know, got in the Texarkana Gazette that, that the uh, reporter called it the Fout Monster. Prior to that, uh, the locals referred to it as the Jonesville Monster. So there's a lot of history there uh, right in that area. Uh, you know, and and still to this day, you still have those same bizarre instances like that. Even skeptical people who are there, and these people, absolutely, they enjoyed the Bigfoot subject and were filming it, and you know, to their professional best. But they didn't. They thought, ah, oh, this is nonsense. Right. You, even the crew that we were with. A year ago, those some of those guys on that crew that are from Ohio, they were not prepared for what the dirty South is like, and that was just the spring. I mean, this is just April, yeah. And that area will kick you, bite you, claw you. It it will whoop your ass. That's the it's squash country. It. <laughs> it is. It is so <laughs> squashy. Everything down here is going to claw you, bite you, and scratch you. Yeah, it's, it's true. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a rugged place, and you know, it's it's not some place that you know anybody, just anybody, can you know strut through it. At, at, you know, at their leisure, it's you have to be a rugged woodsman to get back through yeah. there. And when you're walking through there, you know, you, you can be heard and smelled a mile off. If a creature wanted to remain elusive, 
just simply can. You know, it, it sees you and hears you a mile off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You're I was no going to ask you, Lyle, about how if, uh, you know, the whole 411 thing, missing 411, there was a part of me that was wanting to ask about how many people show up or turn up missing out there. But then I realized there's not really a lot of state park. There's not a lot of people that just go out there to, like, ride on jet skis and hang out. There's people that live there. There's people that work there. There's people that, like, I don't know. It seems like the folks there would hunt to actually put food on the table, not to, um, you know, like, well, let's go sport hunting. You know, it's not like that there. It's uh, So I imagine there's not a lot of, you know, missing people cases, unless I'm mistaken. Right. Hey, hey James, um, I'm going to let Lyle answer that, but I'm going to go ahead and clear the line since we're down to just one line. So if other people want to call in, I love you, buddy. High five. Let's go back to family. Yeah, man. Peace out. All right. James. So, Lyle, the 411 thing, yeah, the missing people. The... That's a real good question, and he's exactly right. There, There is absolutely no state park. Uh, there is no weekend getaway campers. The people you have going in there <laughs> are mostly hunters um, or, or guys going out on those bayous fishing, and they're sort of very familiar with the woods and not likely to disappear. Um the one place I did find a connection with the 411 is in my Beyond Boggy Creek is Tennessee. Now, that's a place where uh, I noted that there was some really bizarre Bigfoot incidents that had happened. One in particular in 1976 in which uh, there was a family living in a rural area and their their back door basically opened right out of the kitchen into the backyard. And a woman said that uh, after dinner... Uh, the door was open and, and her little son walked, you know, stepped right out there in the back and suddenly she heard him screaming. So she turned around and looked out. She sees this big, hairy hand coming at him, some kind of creature. And she just pulled him back in the house, screamed, and then the dad came up. And by the time he got to the door, he sees this huge bipedal creature covered in hair darting across the yard and disappear into the woods. So this thing would have been out in the open it kind of came around the house yeah it would have been up against the house but again these are people living in the woods right yeah so i mean they're close to the to the woods to the woods you know it it was easily got across and disappeared into the uh, tree line now the place this occurred and there was other sightings that that guy was so freaked out that his son was you know he, he felt that he was almost taken by some creature that he uh, put an ad in the paper and tried to find out if any others had seen it. And suddenly, you know, there was a flood of people. Oh, yeah, we've seen this. And, you know, there's other corroborating sightings. Uh, the place where that occurred is is very close to where uh, one of the famous incidents that uh, Pilates talks about in, in his 411 books. I believe the kid's name is Dennis Martin or something uh uh, where he disappeared in one of those state parks. But this right. is not far uh, from where that occurred. And you now, you know, like me, we just present the facts. He presents the facts. He doesn't say Bigfoot did it. He just says, let's think about this. It's really weird. And so when you start kind of putting these things together, uh, I would stay out of Tennessee. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that. When James told me he was driving down from Maryland, um, I think that's right, James. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, the north, what have you. But he was coming down to t- through Tennessee. 
that corridor between Nashville and Memphis. I was like, dude, if you're not prepared, if you're tired, stay in Nashville. Because if you get on, I think it's 40, mm-hmm. from Nashville to Memphis, There's there nothing. is nothing yeah. Yeah. except maybe two porn stores. And you do not want to be associated <laughs> with anything else along that stretch of highway. There are signs that warn you, like, gas up now. Please gas up now. Yeah, it's dirty down there. Well, that just brings me to another thing, and I keep coming back to this, and Tennessee makes me think about the hills and the mines in West Virginia and the, the mining that went down all through there. What are your thoughts about the concept of some sort of cave situation, especially in a place like Oklahoma? Now, he, like James was asking about the foliage in East Texas and um, Arkansas, which doesn't dissipate to the point where you can't see into the woods. The only thing that will happen in a serious pine forest is the needles will fall, and it does kill the underbrush. It creates a super eerie effect, too, because the trees are huge, but you just have this, like, mount, like it's completely clear at the bottom. But for the most part, you can still find... There's a lot of wooded areas that are survivable through the winter. But Oklahoma is not so much. And you even hear Brian and some of the other guys from the NAWAC talking about it's why they don't go up there in the winter because the foliage is down and there's, like, they can see everywhere. Those hills have caves. They, they, that area is 100% limestone underneath it. And... Everyone so far has kind of just been like, eh, man. But I, I, I wonder what your thoughts are on the possibility of some underground dwelling. Not like, hey, there's a huge room and they have a fire and some clubs. That's that's not what I'm yeah, necessarily talking about. The bookshelf put up in there. Yeah, it just seems to me like, you know how those little hills are, especially in Oklahoma, like right there on the eastern part of the state. Not the Kayamichis necessarily, but right there, there's – sightings in that area well i mean yeah i mean the answer to that is if there are caves up there i'm sure they would use them why I mean, would they not it, it, it just would be what they do most of this i just use logic and you know uh, what other wild animals do other wild animals make use of logs i've heard there's a story in my book about one being in this giant log and some guys trying to sleep in the other end of it in the morning a Sasquatch got out and walked out of the other end. It just uses what's there. And same for caves, which caves are even better. Um, so I think if there are caves, certainly they would use them. And there's caves, you know, Oklahoma probably has more propensity for caves because it's it's more hilly and uh, mountainous, so to speak, for the south uh, than other places. So the Washita's uh, all up in there. Now, I've... You know, I've been up in some of those places and never really personally come across a cave, but I'm sure that if you really got out there and walked around and you lived there and uh, you yeah, know, resident I, Bigfoot, you you could find some. I just feel there are, by the way, I, I want to say something else that was something I wanted. I immediately saw this today. I wanted to talk about this. Did you see today that National Geographic is reporting that archaeologists have just released a paper that while unearthing a woolly mammoth 
that was dated to be 130,000 years old, and they found tools right next to it. Hmm. And they're like, oops, <laughs> human history about to be changed again. Length of human history about to be changed again. Think about that. I mean, that popped up on my phone like four times today, like a you know buzz news from the things that I'm interested in, but right. two of them were National Geographic ones. Um, I I feel like the West Virginia thing, Matt. Sure. Take. Um, I feel like the West Virginia situation, those hills and those quote unquote hollers, as they were, the mines. Mm-hmm. That's a a good explanation for something being able to get back into an area where it seems like it's another place where people wouldn't go, just like the swamp, like we just physically couldn't go through there. It seems like any place where especially people are not willing to just trek through and slush around. Yeah, I think so. West Virginia, Kentucky has a lot of caves as well. You have a lot of uh, sightings up in that area. So, you know, a you know, above average intelligence predator, a, a primate like creature, you know, in those areas would take, you know, advantage of what there is to offer. And that could explain why they're elusive there. They have some caves they can get in. And, uh, whereas, you know, in other parts you've got swamps that kind of cordon them off from people and in other places you just got thick wood. So Applying logic, like you said earlier, where where do you think, since you've spent so much time looking at the subject, where do you think, if it were to ever be proven real in the eyes of, you know, mainstream science or whatever you want to say it, where do you think that's going to come from? Is that going to come from a group like the NAWAC who's up in the open Oklahoma hunting them? Is it going to, is it going to be captured on camera somewhere? I mean, what is the proof that it's going to take to... Well, to, I, to reach mainstream believability. Well, I think it's going to take a body, uh, yeah. like it or not. I mean, the photographs or videos at this point are still going to be highly suspect. I mean, if it was an extremely clear HD video, it would, you know, it would prompt, you know, the uh, people to study that area further because it, it is compelling. But I think, you know, because of the technology and CGI and everything else, it's just literally going to, somebody's going to have to come from a body and that could come from, I mean, you've got dedicated guys who've been out there for years and years and seem just on the edge of being able to prove it. Uh, but it could just as well come from a truck driver that smacks one on the road. Yeah. I mean, it's all just up to chance, I think. And there's no matter how focused you are and how uh, skilled you are at attempting to capture them on film or, you know, some groups, you know, actively try to harvest a specimen thus far, it's, it's been very difficult. And that's because the sightings are so fleeting and so quick and so unexpected. You just can't sit there and, you know, train your, your scope on them. However, they've, you know, there's right out of the opening of my book, a, a hog hunter sees one walk in, uh, to frame and, and jump and uh, kill a hog right in front of him. So you go, well, how can I talked to the guy on the phone? How come you didn't shoot it? He goes, man, it, I, I'm sitting there thinking, just like in Legend of Boggy Creek, there's just a chance this thing could turn out to be a man, and I'd have right. to live with that the rest of my life. It looks human enough, and you're, you know, you're 
50, 75 yards off sitting in a tree, you just don't want to make that, take that chance. It's not worth, you know, oops, I just shot a guy, you know, and now it's going to mess up your whole life. So it just comes to that point where they're just not going to pull the trigger. So the Bigfoots have the advantage, I think. I always like to ask people in this, in, you know, this field of, of study, have you given much thought to how you'll feel if that day comes where someone comes out and says, Sasquatch is real. We have the proof. This is this is a real animal. We've classified it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it would be it's hard to project how you would feel in that yeah. case. I think for me, you know, people, well, is that the end of it? You know, it's like, well, I write about all mysterious monsters, so to speak. And if they proved Bigfoot, suddenly people are going to think, oh, what about the lizard man? This dude, you know, investigated this lizard man case. Maybe there's something to all this stuff. If what about Bigfoot, the Mothman? What about the Mothman? Yeah. You know, I think either way it's good. If you if it's proven, it sort of, well, it does, you know, maybe less than mysterious. Uh, now, it's not quite seven feet tall. It's four, and it's, but it's an upright ape, a primate that's been hiding from us. I mean, even that, the reality of that is freaky unto itself. So while you've eliminated sort of the the mysterious element of Bigfoot and the mystique, it just shows you that we don't know everything. So, you know, it just fuels already what I'm doing. So I think it's a win-win. Yeah. I want to take a minute to go ahead and just for the people who are chiming in, I wanted to go ahead and reset a, a really old adage in radio that you are listening to OK Talk and we are talking to the great Lyle Blackburn we're talking to him about his new book, Beyond Boggy Creek. Uh, we mentioned, obviously, his band, Ghoul Town, just released their brand-new record yesterday, Ghost of the Southern Sun, which is kick-ass, um, like most of the things that he's involved in. And uh, your website, exactly, where do you generally point people to? To LyleBlackburn.com. Wow. That was easy. Couldn't be easier. Didn't it? Um, also, if you're out there and you want to give us a shout and you know who you are, go ahead. Give us a try. 469-324-5304. Go ahead. 469-324-5304. Ellie, I'm also going to send you a number to call here momentarily. Okay? Um, I want to change... the subject just a moment i can hear him all the way in here he's so cantankerous i can hear his ass through real glass look at the difference between this place and the place <laughs> i don't even want to think about the it other day i don't want to think about it this is like the bridge of star trek the, the enterprise <laughs> i mean it's like there's really it, cool it's so kick-ass and, the controls. And it's so kick-ass and seriously a, a really good friend of mine who is the head of the engineering department over here built this but it's so funny because we matt works at klif and uh klif and the ticket and the wolf and all those they're down at victory park which is like right there at the w, w you know the double ac beautiful place to work. i mean you I would think it. you would look at it and you'd just be like ta-da you know the w's across the street you go i mean it is such a shithole that like <laughs> <laughs> the, the doors are you know, radio soundproof doors that you can see light under 
and the the gla- like the there's a guy that vacuums every day when we're up there, and mm-hmm. he can you can hear him playing his day. And the reason is the guy who built that place is a poser, and nepotism is the only reason he has his job. But it just goes to show, like the old studio where we first met and worked, the guy who built this built that one, and it's just solid. Every time I'm over here, I'm just like, oh my. <laughs> difference what a difference a studio makes but i wanted to uh flip the script a little bit and ask you your thoughts on the um very popular topic of the man wolf the dog man some people call him the dogs <laughs> well um i mean yeah i like other cryptids i'm quite intrigued with those sightings um and, you know, once you get past Bigfoot and perhaps lake monsters, you know, you start entering places where it seems a little bit less plausible. I mean, biologically, you know, it's like what sort of canid would walk upright? You know, how does the anatomy with that work? All those sorts of questions. Um, but at the end of the day, there are some extremely compelling sightings and some of those accounts by credible people that have seen, you know, creatures that defy explanation, you know, a, a wolf-like creature walking on two legs. Um, my thoughts on that are like any of this. So, you know, I have an open mind about it. Um, I, you know, I, I don't have any scientific, you know, theory no, necessarily no, I, about that other than, uh, you know, animals can do strange things they can evolve in strange ways they can ha- you know have the ability to do things that are unexpected in certain unexpected situations so it's certainly possible again that's not if you kind of think about it less in terms of a werewolf you know a, a man wolf and more like some uh, unique situation in which a very large canid has developed some sort of you know locomotion on on two legs you know that could happen so so are you do you generally i think this is fascinating when people you are such a big monster guy like you've just been into the are you a like do you believe in hauntings for instance um well i believe that people have seen things and experienced things that are unexplainable we can't say that they're dead people and that's where you know if you go well, it's a dead person no you know that's a leap right there but we can say that those things have happened some of them are measurable in some ways and ironically while i've never actually laid eyes on a bigfoot i have seen what people would call a ghost and really really can you can you share that story with us yes i'd love to hear that uh you know i wasn't in a haunted spooky house or anything but uh when i was in high school uh, a friend of mine uh had often talked about how they had seen a ghost at his house his parents had seen it he had seen it uh, several of the my friends had seen it, and I always loved the you know ghosts and all that too. And I thought oh, that's pretty cool, you know. But I didn't, you know, I didn't set out to look for it or do anything. Now I probably would 
before, so I'd write down all their stories and do all that. But at the time, I'm like, ah, it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, so I thought, well, there's probably something to it, but, you know, especially since his parents had seen it. But one day uh, it was late and we were getting ready to go out somewhere and I was sitting on the fireplace watching TV. And from that angle, you could see the front door uh, area and just sort of out of the corner of my eye, suddenly I see passing from the den area across that front door entryway off into the hallway to the bedrooms i see a figure a whitish figure of a humanoid shape walking about the size of a of a kid walk across there and it just it caught my eye enough and i turned and just about the time i turned and I, it was just gone behind the wall and i'm like dude i just saw the ghost and they're like oh yeah that's a, we see that all the time right there wow and i you know i just thought wow that that's amazing and there was there was nothing else to it other than that and then once i said that they were all just like oh yeah it's no big deal <laughs> it was no big deal right i'm well, like right um we have both been in situations where we've done the uh the hunt sort of thing and and um matt in particular uh i i expect it only because it's it happens around me all the time to the point where I think that it's me more than something else. But Matt has uh, just recently was going out with a crew, and and you went in Garland, correct? Yeah, there's a an older cemetery in Garland called Mills Cemetery. It's sort of on the east side of town, and uh, <clears throat> in fact, that crew just went. I didn't get to go, but they just went back there this past weekend and has more picnic. has more audio. <laughs> Uh, that we need to take a look at. But we were there, uh, I don't know, seven or eight months ago. And um, there is one particular grave in that in that area that has a lot of legend attached to it. And it's because a, a five, uh, an entire family is buried there. That's the Smiley family. And it's a mom, Great a dad. Great name for a ghost. Huh? Yeah. Mama Smiley. Daddy yeah. Smiley. <laughs> a mom, dad, and, and three children. Of course, the legend attached to it is... Uh, the dad went crazy and killed the family, and then you know a murder suicide. But I, I, uh, there there are reports of a tornado being in the area. This was in early 1900s, so it, they could have just as easily been you know caught in a tornado. Naturally, uh, but a lot of a lot of legend attached to that going out there at night and and uh, having things happen. So we we went out and um, did some standard EVP recording, and we had the spirit box ginning up. Uh, different sounds and got things that I mean it sounded to me you know obviously it's hard to know what any of this stuff is but it sounded like direct responses to questions intelligent, that we were intelligent. yeah intelligent responses and more than just a yes or no but I mean like with some sort of um it, there was there was one question I believe it was is do you have anything to to confess and the response was maybe. And so this, this kind of bizarre, like, intelligence behind, if you were to believe that sort of thing, uh, something going on. And, and it, it was the first time, other than a very a very small experience I had as a kid, um, it, was a, it was kind of the first time that I was looking at that and saying, something weird is going on here. I, don't really, I can't really explain what this is, but um, I, this is beyond my normal experience. Now, I ask you 
that question about the paranormal thing because uh, we were talking the other day about someone that I know very well waiting until now, just now, to be like, I'm going to tell you something and I know you're going to think I'm crazy. And it was about seeing a quote-unquote dog man slash werewolf on right off of Northwest Highway, right there at the Highland Park Village. Like, Northwest Highway in Devonshire. Yeah, okay. I'm trying and to... just, just west of the tollway. Okay. So, yeah. I know you know Linda Godfrey, and I, uh, I've just been able to, mm-hmm. um, we haven't been able to make it work in terms of her coming on. She has a really interesting thing at the beginning of her latest book, Monsters Among Us, I think is the name of it, um, where it's where she's basically like, hey, if the idea that there may be something else at work with some of these sightings, if that drives you crazy or doesn't interest you, this isn't the book for you. But at some point, the bananas stuff that you are going to hear in some of these situations, just the oddness of the reports and everything, um, it's there. And there is there is going to be some level of supernatural aspect to some of yeah. these stories. And if that's not your bit, then you don't want to read this book. And I don't know what to think about the upright, bipedal, hairy creature that we know. I don't know what to think about that. Um, but I had an a situation happen to me with something that, oddly enough, the closest thing that I've ever seen anything, the closest representation of anything that what we encountered in Arizona and hit with my car and subsequently cost me 600 some odd dollars and stole my license plate and ripped up all the cords underneath my Honda Element and left hair on my tires was um, <laughs> from something that I found on one of these Dogman websites. Is But it just looks like a hyena, but it was huge and had longer legs as front arms than back legs, and its height was... Like its back was above the hood of my Honda Element, and there were two of them, and this one ran directly at me, and I hit it going 85 miles an hour and trying to swerve to avoid it, and there was an 18-wheeler right next to me, and there were other cars on the highway, and nobody else seemed to notice it except me and my wife. And when I showed her the picture that I had found, she was like, oh, my God, that's it. And it made her sick that's how real that was and that's an area where there's skinwalker reports and that's kind of the thing there and uh, I've done a lot of been in a few places where there's a big Native American history which let's face it in a lot of these places in Texas especially there's Native American stories that are not always good with what's happened to the land. And and I found something really interesting with the dog man reports with that, not necessarily just Linda, but that 
the association with Wisconsin and the fact that they're like the burial mounds, you know, in that area. That like it seems like these things are like around mounds a lot, right? And yeah. and they're digging around in the mounds, or like that someone would see one and it look like it's holding something in its hand and it's standing on a mound and then it sees them. And and then that happens in England in the same situation. And I I'm confused and, and baffled by what that means or why these creatures would be. But I get to the point where I'm like, there's no way there could be a seven-foot wolf walking around on two legs in Dallas, Texas. Like, in Dallas proper, I just can't get to it. So I wonder sometimes when you have talked to so many people and have been, I'm sure you hear stories about other things. And again, you just got off of shooting this Mothman movie. And the Mothman thing is bizarre. Like, bizarre. On a whole lot of levels. And I'm wondering... You get to an you get to a point where you're either like, man, it's this is all just batshit crazy, or does it start to open up your mind that there may be a lot more going on than we know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's something that the more you dig into it, the more you have to try to keep an open mind. I mean, the, the thing with me, it's like, you know, for a dogman sighting in Dallas or whatever, I'd have to talk to that witness before, you know, I'm, I hear that. Sure. I'm pretty much like, there's no way it's just not, it's just not possible. But I mean, th- that's, that's just my first, you know, gut reaction. If people, if I was laying some money on it or whatever, but ultimately, my mind's open till I talk to that witness. I'd need to talk to, especially for an outlandish story like that, I'd definitely need to talk to the witness and look into it because I've been doing this so long that, I, you know, a lot of cases where I can interview people or, you know, I can judge right then and there the validity of it. And then if it does turn out to be a very credible person, person a very credible person, then that's when I've got to... Uh, grapple with how do I explain this? How can that even happen? And you've got a lot of that in the Mothman where you've got really credible people and things like that that are seeing things that are hard to explain. And it's simply, I mean, it simply could be a huge bird. I mean, it could be, it could be that an abnormally huge bird, but just that is weird unto itself. And then (laughs) the fact that nobody shot it, nobody got a good picture you know, Again, the red eyes always trip you out on that. Eyes. And to me, it's always, you know, my first thing, it's always, it doesn't matter. It's all, it's still a great story. Yes, and totally. And I, I love the spooky stories, whether they're ghost stories or Bigfoot sightings or whatever, Mothman. They're just spooky stuff. And I, that's what I liked as a kid and still like, even though I'm more of a serious researcher. I want to know what this is. Um, it's just spooky stuff. And it's a great, great story. Whether we have the body or don't, it's just weird stuff that's going on. Okay, so I want to weird you out about this Dallas Wolfman thing because this isn't the person who told me this. You know. And the person who, this is something, again, that I knew for a long time before they even were comfortable talking to me about it. 
and something that freaked them out so much so that they wouldn't go that way for like over a year. And this was 15, what did we decide? Like 18 months ago, maybe? It was yeah, not Christmas, this past Christmas, 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 of Christmas 2015. And what's nuts is it was um, Christmas and there are Christmas decorations in this area. And you know how expensive the houses that are over there. Like just north of there is Cuban's house and everything. And that, oh, yeah. that corridor of Northwest Highway where all of those uh, Afghani pines and the trees, it looks like the back of the zoo, you know, like where it, you feel almost boxed in, even though you're on Northwest Highway in Dallas, Texas, because all of that property they want, you, you can't get access to. And Tom Hicks is doing whatever he's doing back there, having gooses lay golden eggs. <laughs> For it to happen in that area ticks my brain a little bit. For it to be like a Christmas thing and there's like all these Christmas decorations in this huge yard and this movement draws the attention and this thing just kind of pounces over a gigantic joy in the front yard, like a lit up joy. Boom. Looks at the person from 10 feet away, 12 feet away, watches them in their car as they drive by and just like in every other one of these stories that you hear, scares them to the point where they feel like there's evil to it. You know, if you listen to these people talk about these man-wolf sightings, that's always a thing they bring up. It's like malevolence. Like it wanted to do bad. Or just that feeling that people get. I think that cuts across the the Mothman story as well. I mean, that's that's all tied into the the bridge collapse and, and things like that. People felt like a certain feeling of doom, perhaps dread or, or doom that you don't necessarily see in Sasquatch sightings, I, I think. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of this, if you look back in history, uh, you know, this isn't the, you know, werewolf type creatures have been reported for as long as man has been recording such things. It, mysterious bird-like entities, you know, uh, before the Mothman was sighted in, you know, the 1966 sighting, there was sightings in that area of a Birdman called the Birdman that date back, you know, really long before that. And he wasn't the father of Lil Wayne. No. Okay. And <laughs> shout those, out to Lil Wayne. <laughs> yo, yo. And those were, you know, uh, those were also associated with bad omens. And it's like if you look at any type of werewolf or man wolf historically, the tales, the stories, the you know reputed, they're they're always evil. There's not a friendly werewolf in yeah. in, in history. But when you you get to Bigfoot, it's he's got the vibe of friendly forest creature. It, it has the vibe of friendly forest creature. At least neutral. Neutral. Yeah. It, it's a you know a guardian of the forest and things like that. It it's. It's the basis of the primate. The wolf gets the evil thing. The the flighty bird, the entity, gets the, you're a bad omen. This is something that's been uh, woven through folklore and, and things, uh, you know, for as long as human history. Yeah. So, yeah, lizard men, uh, you know, they have their own sort of, you know, secretive race. There, there's some high intelligence, but intelligence behind that sort of a creature that has a reptilian aspect. So it's, it's odd how you see modern sightings of this and they still have that pervading theme. It's never like, Oh, well he was this dog man and 
man, he would seem really cool. He was like offering me something to eat. And, yeah, he was friendly. He was knocking on wood, and yeah, he was. I wanted to take him home. Yeah, not like the stray, you know, hound. You say, "Oh, let's take him home." It's like yeah. this thing is like evil. So I, I don't know. You know, when you look at it that way, you're just—is it an archetypal type thing that people see something like this, they automatically uh, apply this natural instinct to see wolves and things as a danger, a threat, yeah. they're evil. And something that more resembles us is possible. Yeah. Could, could be good. Could right. be like us. Well, the interesting thing about this situation is this person completely thinks that this was a physical creature. And my initial thought is, man, you're over there in rich ass Dallas where there's probably some son of a bitch whose parents and grandparents are so rich, they're the most spoiled bastard on the planet, like that little kid in American Horror Story who turned into the clown, if you know what I'm talking you know what I'm talking about, yeah. who ends up being the serial killer who has nothing better to do but draw a fucking pentagram on the ground in his room, put some candles around, it's like, Satan, take over my body. And becomes a effing wolf. And if you watch American Werewolf in Paris and they see the pentagram on the wall in that bar and they're like, it's a five-pointed star. So-and-so from Universal Studios said that's a mark of the wolf man. It means evil. And I just think that it's interesting that the that, that it weirds me out because it's obviously it's Dallas and it's so bananas. And I told Matt that I Googled Dallas werewolf and there's a story online that a woman wrote on Reddit about being just south of town, going to a party after being at a bar downtown and her and her husband are driving and they turn on a road and there's a fucking dog that walks across the road on two legs. And the drawing that she has of it, it's like, Looks more, and she said it wasn't malevolent so much. It was yeah. far enough of, out in front of them that it didn't notice them or whatever. But that's weird. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm blown away by it. And it, uh, it spans my logic. And now what bothers me the most is that, let's talk about logic. And are you familiar, did you figure out, find out about Matthew Johnson's revelations recently. I don't pay any attention to that. <laughs> well, just while I have you here, he's recently decided to let us know that Bigfoot are aliens from another planet and their leader Zorth has told them this and that and they needed <laughs> to do this and that. And I hear all of that and I'm like, man, that is crazy talk. Like, I can't get to that. But then again, the concept of a, a rich-ass little kid figuring out how to do deals with the devil and make it happen doesn't sound that out of, out of the norm to me. I need help, Lyle. <laughs> it, well, we got to consider it could have been a Krampus sighting. Could so, have been a Krampus. That's true. Krampus, is, Krampus Walk veteran here. Yes. Yeah. Are you, um, have you done anything with the Krampus society here in dallas we got a really good troop no uh just don't i have a lack of time it would be <laughs> especially around i have the, i have no social life i have no no any sort of like do other things but you, you have no social it, life yet you rock well it's part of my uh 
that's my night job or day job, however you want to look at it. <laughs> You're a Del Monstro, man. That's your, uh, you walk into the phone booth and come out a different person. Basically. I'm going to become one person pretty soon, though. And you then, are. And then I will have time to maybe attend and watch the Krampus walk, even if I'm not Be in just, it. Oh, yeah, Matt, what, whatever. Matt I'd like took to, in it and scared children. I'd like to do this. Heavily. But, I'll have to pull up the picture here for Anyway, me. but yeah, the, I mean, you, you just... It's hard to wrap your mind around these strange sightings, and there's just something that you just kind of have to take as a case by case basis. But I, I, you know, I guess I just still dwell at the first level. Like, is is Bigfoot, you know, is Bigfoot even out there? Is it some sort of entity? I don't know where it's from. You know, I don't know. You know, just just start there and right all these theories about everything else it's like um it's just something that our minds naturally go to and then try to explain the the dog man it's like you know let's get a picture of one let's 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 get a let's get something and then we got something to start with you know till then we're just you know we're chasing shadows and uh, you you just got to keep chasing them because sooner or later maybe you can capture one right Hey Ellie, if you call that number, I just emailed you, and then uh, and then we'll probably wrap it up. Oh, his name's David. Go ahead. Um, There's Krampus for you. That was my outfit for the Krampus walk. Yeah, it's, that's really cool. Yeah, the Krampus has had a huge surgence here. You know, it's huge. All, you know, yeah, last four or five years i couldn't you know. I, I couldn't believe the number of people that were that were out in, in deep Ellum for that thing oh i know it's 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 big and there's been some good movies and mm-hmm. you know it's cool it's something that hadn't you know it's fresh it hadn't been beaten to death and it's got that uh you know it's got a holiday theme and it's it's just cool man. Right. are you uh the next time how often do you get out and look around when was the last time you just were like, F it, I'm going to go to the woods for a night or two? Uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So uh, you're at least, I mean, obviously that's not a social life, but you're at least able to still get out every now and again. Yeah, I mean, that to me, that's that's the only time I have any sort of quote-unquote vacation. It's, right. But it's still, in a way, it's like, it's become, literally everything I do, just be, my work becomes my life. My life is my, my work. So... In some ways, like, yeah, if I, you know, I can go on a outdoor adventure and it could literally, something could be in my next book about it. So it's kind of a business expense right? <laughs> in a way. Right. It's cool. And, but yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I went down to Otine Swamp in South Texas. The, it's a, in the near Gonzales. Oh, really? Uh, because there's, there's. It's there's this really cool Palmetto State Park down there. Oh, it's a yeah. real scenic and cool. And there's been some, uh, you know, there's an alleged Otine Swamp monster or the really? s- or a swamp thing, uh, some old sightings, and then there was uh, there was more more of a recent sort of more Bigfoot sighting uh, that happened. So I just wanted to go. To, I wanted to go to the area. I talked to some of the locals. I talked to the people at the park, um, and just just I love those regional creatures i wanted to find out how much more there is to it i went on a hike through that swamp uh, i didn't see any i did see a dark creature uh in the woods but it turned out to be a feral hog 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did see some some of the local wildlife, but it was really cool and a great getaway. Yet it's still at the same time I'm like delving into this this local legend, and uh, I even bought the T-shirt, as they really? say. I couldn't believe it. The state park had, I mean, the coolest. Almost wore it tonight. Uh, just this cool T-shirt, the swamp swamp thing t-shirt that really so they're embracing it yeah they they had a little uh xerox sheet that told you about uh some of the history which comes out of this out of a book basically where uh most of that comes from but they had that they had a little with the warmer weather creeping up on us we're all trying to stay healthy and get that i got a buddy down near gonzalez i'm gonna have to say go but i i think that that totally explains why you're so good with the way that you write. Like you're, it's totally different when you go to the scene yeah. and you feel the, it completely changes the game. Um, I did want to bring, have you met David Ellis? Have you been to any of the stuff up North? Uh, no, let's I've, bring David I, in and see. I've maybe never, never met in person, but I've Dave. Well, I wanted to bring him in, number one, because I wanted to wish him happy birthday and tell him thank you for helping us out. And the guy's just, uh, what are you doing, Ellen? Looks like you might have it on the handset over there. Yeah, I pushed the wrong button, I bet. I pushed the 11. Yeah, I mean, I'm aware of his uh, contributions to research and audio and so forth. Let's stick it on hold. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I did it wrong. There we go. He's back on hold on. Now I'll push this one. Thank you. There we go. Sorry, Dave. I can't exactly see the phone from where I am. Dave, uh, say hi to Lyle. Hey, Lyle. This is David Ellis. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing good tonight. What's going on? We wanted to tell you happy birthday, brother. Ah, you missed it by a day, but. No, I didn't miss it. (laughs) Son of a bitch. Don't be like Facebook and tell me I missed it when I made a whole post about it. We shouted out to you. I know. I'm just teasing. Because you posted that you missed it, so. Say again? You posted that you missed it. Yeah, I did. I did. Well, Facebook (laughs) told me I did. You missed David's birthday, so you should tell him. You should feel ashamed. So, uh mystery on that day don't we we do have a little bit of a mystery on that day and and uh lyle here's just as much of a part of it and um yeah i noticed some of the things that you were talking about in the uh chat room i thought that we would bring up to the question that was posed to lyle by james about the casts with odd numbers of toes or smaller casts yeah you know, you're familiar with Littlefoot, Clint, so... Yes. Uh, yeah, it's just an odd scenario. Can't tell if the uh, digit uh, next to the big toe imprinted or didn't imprint, but what's odd is that it was also in the same vicinity, like maybe even being held by a, a, a small one as well that's only six inches long, and it definitely has four toes, because... I had uh, the luxury or the fortune of actually capturing part of the top of the foot. So you can, you can definitely see it's four toes. 
Yeah, I thought so, that that was one of the craziest things about what we learned in <laughs> Boggy Creek was that original cast from the field. And I'm I'm sorry, I can't remember that gentleman's name, yet I can remember the name of the gold mine that he apparently owns. <laughs> Don't mention that. <laughs> Tom Zorn, yeah. It stole, that stole my attention from him completely, his brashness and mentioning the name and then the looks on the guys from Ohio's face were there like, is the clan around here? <laughs> Go ahead and use your imagination if you want to know what the name of that mine was, folks, but oh, um, oh yeah, it's always been reported that that thing was a three-track beast and when you hear that and you're from Texas and you have any sense, you're like that's an alligator. What are they doing? That's an alligator track. And and. Lo and behold, he pulls that thing out, and it didn't look like it had three toes to me. Well, that's a that's a very poor casting job. The late the lady that cast those was just the art teacher had some plaster, and if you look at the photograph in the Texarkana Gazette, it's much you can tell much more clearly uh, the shape of that foot, and it's certainly not an alligator flat out. There's there's not. I've seen plenty of alligator tracks, and, right? Uh, it's certainly not that, and. Uh, it, it did have, appear to have three toes. It was very long. It's very narrow. That's what struck me as odd. It's like a creature that's reported to be seven feet tall and would have to weigh, you know, upwards of you know, 300 pounds or whatever. That foot is just so narrow. It would be just odd and difficult. Uh, but it doesn't rule out any sorts of uh, deformities or characteristics that, you know, developed from inbreeding or, or what have you. Who knows? Right. Yeah, David, um, you you've seen plenty um, in your day, and odd all kinds of odd digit placements. Yeah, in in one location, uh, we have a six digit handprint and a six digit toe print, um, and it's not a a misplacement or a a, a shift of the hand or the foot. Uh, in the in the foot case, you can see the dermal ridge or ridges running across the ball of the foot, and it appears that this particular foot has two big toes that are shared by one joint just in the ball of the foot. It was very strange. It's very strange. That I, I'd expect to see that on like the side of the road in Florida, <laughs> next to like the merman, the two big yeah. toe foot. Yeah, all of these impressions are within, oh gosh, maybe a, a 500-yard circle. So it's like something keeps coming back to this area. Um, actually, uh, the one that really has my attention is a, a foot that I tracked um, over a three-year period. It went from 11 inches to 15 inches in length. Like it was growing over that time. Yep, yep. That's crazy. I feel like you need to talk to Dr. Matthew Johnson. <laughs> so you left out the pterodactyl. The pterodactyl? Yeah, you didn't know about the pterodactyl. It, it uh, flew right over his uh, Jesus, sight there. I didn't make it that far, David. I listened <laughs> to like eight minutes. I seriously didn't. I, I was effing with Richter the other day on his Facebook page, and all I did was hear him call him Zorf a few times, and then I just posted on Richter's page that Maybe all the... I could think about was Chewbacca dancing when I was listening to this and what you're going to do about it. 
a cameo from Conga Mato, that pterodactyl that's <laughs> reputed to live in the Congo. It's like he's. What's it, the pterodactyl from the Pee Wee Herman show? <laughs> I can't remember. His you name remember yet. him though? Yeah. See his puppet ass. I only know Conga Mato. Never saw the Pee Wee Herman show. He wouldn't say Petey, but I that's from the Land Before Time. I would think you would be into Pee Wee Herman back in the day. See, I missed all this stuff. I was probably watching monster movies. You were. That's it, what it was. was. No, there was no monster, no cryptid or anything like that. I'm well, phew. Terry, Terry the pterodactyl. Oh, that makes perfect sense. I, I, I will argue with you that Cherry may very well have been a cryptid because it was a talking chair. But we'll table that discussion until later. Um, man, David. Um, I just want to thank you so much because you uh, were a, you've just been a key player in everything. And you took that little scream in the night that we uh, picked up over there at Clint's place. And uh, you've just been kick-ass, man. And I just wanted to tell you thank you because the whole reason we're doing this is it's a, to uh, bring Lyle in a year later and um, can't go past the 25th without mentioning you brother i know matt feels the same way though i'm not gonna let him say that you know oh. <laughs> hey matt <laughs> hey david seriously though i mean I, I i think i told you over email but like you've been uh so instrumental to uh just where i mean not not even just this show but where i feel like i am personally and when it comes to talking about some of these things, and uh, I, I feel like my mind has changed so much just because of some of the stuff that you've told us or you've pointed out to us through audio. Um, and uh, I can't, I can't thank you enough. And I, it's crazy to think. I mean, it feels like it's been been much longer than a year that you've been in our in our lives in this little show, and you've provided us so much. And uh, I appreciate it. So high five. Well, That's all you get tonight. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, That's. Um quite uh quite a pat on the back i really appreciate that and it's uh feeling is likewise gentlemen or else i wouldn't put this much attention into it you've really got something going here that's going to be just like you say clint kick ass ah, so thanks um, man I, well, I, hey people if you uh if you think that something weird's going on get a microphone or take your iphone and turn on the voice recorder and record files and then if uh, you have any questions, send it. It's not that hard. You'd be surprised at what oh, you could pick up. I you, can't say this enough. Everything that we have, or I, I can't say everything, but everything that I've sent to him, and I know most of the stuff that you've sent to him has been recorded straight off your iPhone uh, microphone. Yeah, it's terrible. And he's like, well, there was some weird noise. And I was like, oh, that's because it's holding my phone upside down the wrong yeah, way. No, here, let me blow <laughs> your mind by, by showing you here. I mean, you, you don't need expensive equipment to go out and – to go out and hunt for or you don't need the old Sasquatch. ghost hunter thing of like listening to the son of a bitch all the way through no. that was what they always would do at yeah. the end of those shows you know like now we've got to review the audio <laughs> 17 hours and they're, of audio. yeah they're, they're just like it's like they're sitting there listening for two days falling asleep on the table um no the guy i've i've watched him pop in an audio file pull up his little magic program and ding 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 and um, it's incredible. Uh, what, yeah, what, what, what was the? Uh, did you listen to that clip that he sent today from just two nights ago? That I from Metter. Yeah, when yes. I just decided to drive out to that cemetery for some reason in the <laughs> middle of the night. 
Jesus, Clint, you've got <laughs> wherever where you go, buddy. What is what is it with you? You're the magnet. What did it say? Maybe though? you're the monster. May, well, there's <laughs> no question about that. But what did, what did it say? Uh, uh, couple that, of different that's one of them and then today he sent me another one i didn't even share it with you what, what did it say when i said uh you can't come with me oh yeah <laughs> that's the clearest one. did you listen to that yeah yeah that's, i was like, listening to it today oh yeah <laughs> yeah you challenged it and it said oh yeah <clears throat> so this place has something going on. I don't know, but I'm not the only one that has noticed <laughs> That's it. That's for another day. This, this old movie studio has got something That's going for on. for another day. But we're going to have to table that as well, just like Jim tabled capturing that coyote. <laughs> um, uh, David, high five, man. High five. And um, Take care. I love you, Dave. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Right, buddy. Bye-bye. Well, um. One more time, man. I want to say thanks to Lyle for coming. I feel bad about keeping him. Um, and it's really, again, I had the pleasure of making his acquaintance, but it's really cool to get him kind of into our yeah. little scene. And um, I don't feel like this will be the last time we do this. I, I want to get out in the woods again as obvious by the fact that I drove out to a cemetery in the middle of the night that I had no business being at, and I couldn't see one foot in front of my face. I'm obviously itching for it, so hopefully we can do some of that. Um, I'm holding Beyond Boggy Creek. I am an asshole and didn't tell you to bring two copies for Matt, so I am going <laughs> to stiff arm him as I run past. Well, fair. Yeah, all I got was, will you bring a brother a copy? <laughs> one copy. One brother, one copy. I could probably uh, I appreciate it. have the publisher uh, hook you up or something. Wow. <laughs> right. We'll just. Yeah. Uh, it's a timeshare. I get it for half the week and he gets it for half the week. But. um, And, and I mean, I, I would encourage people to check out your first book, your, uh, your initial book on Boggy Creek, because it's a great trove of information if you're interested in that particular story. I mean, we didn't story. even get to the lizard man, which I'm fascinated by the lizard man. There's so much, so little time. What am the lizard man? I mean, <laughs> we'll have to have you back. What is going on with the lizard person? But, yeah. um, but yeah. I'm I'm holding Beyond Boggy Creek. You can pick it up, Amazon. Amazon. Did they get that problem fixed? I noticed you were having some issues with them. Yes, there's issues. They they don't believe I sell as many books as I do apparently, and they just sold all the copies, and then they got to print more and. It was a big debacle. Really? Yes. Mm. So I've th- I've, I think that it's so odd that people will post like a missing 411 book on Amazon for like $1,000. Like what are people doing? Well, he doesn't sell his books that way. You can only get them from him. Right. So yeah. I just think it's odd that someone would think that like somebody's going to pay uh, me $400. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, you can buy it at uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. You can buy it on uh, through my monstrobizarro.com store, which is linked from my lyleblackburn.com uh, site. And, you know, The Beast of Boggy Creek obviously is the first, but it's not required reading in order to enjoy Beyond Boggy Creek. That's its own separate uh, book. But if you were to enjoy both of them together, you would have uh, the full width and breadth of the Southern Bigfoot experience. I I know that 
you have been told this before and um i just want you to know man that your shit is amazing and thank you for what you do and the fact that people don't understand that it especially in the south and especially when you're dealing with a weirdo topic like this like you've got to go to those people and prove to them that you're not some kind of a huckster and that means driving your ass out to arkansas and i know where you live ish and that's a drive man and yeah. and that's work well, and this that goes. place is hot as balls in the summer and um and that's knocking on strangers doors and hoping they don't right. have well, a shotgun with them yeah and i mean i i like to put boots on the ground i mean i've i've been you know this book covers all the way to florida i've been to florida i've been to south carolina i've been to most places that are mentioned in the book in some capacity as much as i can but you know i mean I'm not a I'm not a Bigfoot researcher that writes books. I'm a professional writer that loves that subject. Yeah, that's, so that's the thing. You the, are just, a professional writer. I just choose that subject. So I hope that I bring some, uh, you know, we well, don't, you well don't have written. to hope, man. Well, I mean, you, everybody here has read something, a, even a post online that where you're just like, my God, the syntax. It's bad. <laughs> it is bad. So, and yeah. um. And also, I encourage everyone, Ghoultown, rock and roll, man. Just, I love that. I love y'all's vibe. I love that Southern angle. I um, I got into this really big kick a couple of months ago where I was into a lot of the uh, the Western genre of Southern rock, where it was almost the like spaghetti Western theme music you know like it was almost like listening to a soundtrack to a tarantino movie or something oh yeah you guys uh you guys are a lot of fun live too and um so anyway lyle rules high five i want to thank everybody that's uh paid attention online and um i think this was a success and we should yeah. do this again let's try it again and especially um hit lyle up get these books pay money and as far as I know, the Boggy Creek Beehive Swamp Wiki bundle is still up and running. So go to the Boggy Creek Beehive page and check that out. This is OK Talk. Thanks to Ellie. Thanks to Ron. Ron is the cantankerous man you've been hearing in the background <laughs> in there. And just before we leave. No, you're done. OKTalkShow.com. OKTalkShow.com. Facebook.com slash OKTalkShow. Twitter.com slash OKTalkShow. Find us on iTunes. Find us on Stitcher, find us on TuneIn, find us everywhere, leave us a review, come say hi, hit us up, folks. Yeah, I'm I'm way better at promoting other people's stuff than my own, that's right. <laughs> Good point, man. Good point. Um, thanks to everybody, man. Thank you, dude. Thanks for this, having me. This, I really appreciate it. And dude, it was great to be actually in the studio talking on like an actual radio microphone. That's a that's a so much pleasure. better, right? Yes. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we're assholes like that. Like, we don't really like it the other way. So, hey, man, um, let's do this again. And Ellie, seriously, thank you so much. I've got, I th she's got pictures, and um, hopefully most of them are appropriate. And we'll be posting some of that this show. If you are listening live, we'll post uh, as normal. But thank you. Ron, high five, buddy. Bye. Yes. Hey, the car.
Mama said the train is Watergate I can't stand Rocky when I'm in here Cause your crystal ball ain't so crystal clear So why you sit back and wonder why I got this foggy thorn in my side Oh my God, it's a mirage I'll tell you all sabotage <laughs>
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.